Well, I hope that you've had a great summer period and we're coming into autumn right now as a church and we've had a few guest speakers over the last few weeks, but we're going to dive back into our series, Good News for All Today. We're going to continue studying the Gospel of Luke together as a church family. I've been blessed so far by what God has been speaking to me through his word and I pray that you've been blessed if you've been watching these messages. But today we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 2 and the title of this message today, we're going to do a small little collection of talks here at the end of Luke chapter 2. The title of this message is The Silent Years of Jesus. We're going to read first of all Luke chapter 2 verse 39 to 40 and then Luke 2 verse 52. This is what it says. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law, of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There their child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favour was on him. And then verse 52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and all the people. A few weeks ago as a church, we, we have these things called fellowship at five. They happen once a month and we meet at five o'clock on a Sunday evening and We've been looking and studying together the Bible course, which has been absolutely incredible. And we had our fellowship at five a few weeks back, and we were looking at the life of David. And in particular, in this one session, the guy who was uh, talking on the Bible course, he shared about how David, about David's call by God and how God had called him to become king. What was interesting, though, what we learned and what we discussed in our groups on that Sunday evening was about how David was the least of his brothers. He wasn't the first choice in, in the Samuel, the prophet's eyes, and he wasn't his the first choice of, the, of his father, Jesse, either. Jesse thought that, and Samuel thought that it'd be the eldest son, and Eliab, who was the strongest, and he was the most suitable. He was most, the most likely to become king of Israel. But I love what it says in 1 Samuel. It says that God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And you know, as we began discussing in our groups, we, we talked about this idea how the world judges by the outward appearance. And you know, there's so much pressure nowadays, especially with social media. There's so much pressure for each and every one of us to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to behave a certain way, to do certain things, to live in a certain way in order to fit in and to get appreciation from other people. Well, there is so much pressure today because of the internet. And you know, I thank God for the internet. I thank God for social media. There's so many great things uh, on online. And you know, I'm so glad that we can do church online and share the good news of Jesus. But you know, I really believe because of this, there's been a real increase in uh, in peer pressure, there's been an increase in insecurity and there's so many challenges that especially young people face today because of that. You know, I remember facing some of these peer pressures when I was growing up, when I was a teenager. You know, one of the main insecurities that I had growing up was to do with my height. You know, I was, uh, I was a late bloomer, you know, and I was constantly frustrated with this by how quickly I was growing, especially compared to the other boys in my year group. I remember I was in year 10 in comprehensive school, in secondary school, and, and that year we were due to have a whole school photograph. I'm sure you remember those. And I remember it was our year group's turn to, to be called to get on the benches ready for this big photograph. And, and the, pho the photographer, he would order 
each of us in order of height. So the biggest would be at the front of the line, the smallest would be at the back of the line. And I remember in year 10, I was probably about 15, 16 at that point, I remember being a fourth smallest in my whole year group. Out of about 50 boys, I was the fourth smallest. And you know, that really did have an impact on me. It was really demoralizing to be sitting in the front with all the short boys. And I apologize if you were short, but, but you know, I, I felt quite demoralized by that. All my friends were growing quickly, but I wasn't growing quickly enough. I felt embarrassed and I wanted more than anything to join all the taller boys, but, but I was really frustrated with how slowly I was growing. I wanted more than anything to grow quickly. However, when it came to our final year photograph in year 13, just a few years on, we had this whole school photograph again. And I know that some boys obviously left, they went off to college and dropped out to school, but, but you know, the majority of boys were there. But by the time it came to year 13 in that photograph, I was the sixth tallest of my year group. In the space of three or four, five years, I had just shot up unbelievably and and I was so grateful for that. It, it was just it just it was just a quick growth there. And now I'm six foot and you know I'm grateful for that. And I'm glad that my dad is tall as well. So so I must get it from him. And my brothers are pretty tall as well, especially Nat. He's he shot over me. He's really tall. But being over those three years, I had slowly shot up and grown. And I felt proud as punch on that day in year 13 when it came to the photographs. But you know it wasn't just with my height that I've been frustrated when it comes to growth. I've been frustrated in many different areas when it comes to growth, especially with my education and in particular with maths. Uh, I just wanted to get the subject, but for whatever reason, my brain just wouldn't understand it. You know, I was slow in grasping maths in particular. And, and you know, there's other areas of my life, sport and tennis, even now as I play tennis on a weekly basis, you know, I get frustrated with my game that I'm not growing quickly enough. I'm not able to do these shots quickly enough. I get frustrated with that. And especially spiritually as well. I get so frustrated with myself and how slowly I seem to be growing in my faith. Especially when I compare myself to, to other people. It seems like I'm not growing quickly enough. Maybe as you're watching this today, maybe you've had those frustration. Maybe you felt that you're not growing fast enough in many areas and even today, maybe you feel like you're not growing quick enough in your faith. You know, I really believe today there are two, well, there are more than two, but I believe there are some vital lessons that we can learn about, about growth from Luke chapter two. Now, it's easy to, for us to fall into the temptation that, that when it comes to Jesus and when it comes to his earthly ministry, that Jesus just arrived on the scene. Many of us think that he just arrived on the scene and he began doing what he did. You know, when we think about the four writers of the Gospels who recorded Jesus' life, you know, they don't record very much of his early life. It, they really just fast forward into his, his ministry. Those three and a half years, those short three and a half years where he did so much performing miracles, healing the sick, dying on the cross, rising again. You know, there they is very little detail about Jesus' his early, about Jesus's early life. But, but, you know, Matthew and Mark, they are the only two gospel writers who give us a little bit of insight into Jesus's early years, these silent years. Now, there's a few things that we learn about Jesus. We know, first of all, the names of the names of Jesus's mother and father, his earthly mother and his earthly father. We know the names of his four brothers, even though we don't know the names of his sisters. 
we know a lot about his birth, obviously. We, we know about where his family were from and where they eventually settled down and lived. And we also know that at the age of 12, he traveled with his family to Jerusalem and he went to the temple and he had quite an interesting experience there. But apart from that, we know very little. However, what the gospel writers do agree on is that Jesus arrived at a certain moment. I love what these what the gospel writers say. Listen to this, Matthew 13, 3 verse 13 says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Mark chapter 1 verse 9 says, One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. Luke 3, 21 to 22. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was, being, was baptized and he was praying. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. And then John chapter 1 verse 29 says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, once Jesus appears on the scene, there is a danger for us to forget what's gone before. Or even worse, for us to completely blank it out and push it to the background. You know, we get instantly into his miracles, we get into instantly into his ministry, his incredible preaching and teaching on the kingdom of God. And as I said, his death and his resurrection. And you know, for a moment, it seems like Jesus just arrives and he just begins doing these things straight away. You know, and we should focus on those three and a half years. Obviously, those three and a half years of his ministry impacted and changed this world forever. Even now, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Jesus' ministry and we should still be captivated and in awe and wonder every time we hear about it and read about it. But you know, what's amazing is that these three years of Jesus' ministry only represent 9% of Jesus's time here on earth, his earthly life. You know, and sometimes I believe we forget about the 91%. What was Jesus doing in the 91% of his time here on earth? You know, this 91% includes the silent years of Jesus. But you know, these silent years, which we don't know very much about, they obviously form the foundation for Jesus then to go on and perform that 9% which we remember him for, which we celebrate, which we give thanks to him for. You know, I love how the Bible can summarize many years in just a few short sentences. We read that here at the end of, of Luke chapter 2. We're told that Jesus went to Nazareth and he grew. But then 21 verses later, we read how he was baptized and that's when his ministry begins you know it only takes us a few minutes or a few seconds to read over those 21 verses but it took Jesus 18 years to live those verses you know we can quickly skip over that in order to get to the real action of the story however I believe that it's important for us to look at what was Jesus doing in those silent years in those years before he steps into ministry now Dr. Luke here, the writer of this gospel, he only gives us a short glimpse and it's not so that we would fixate on this child prodigy, but so, so that we would focus on the Messiah. But he does give us a little bit of information that I believe is vital and, and I believe it will be helpful for you 
and me. Obviously, we should keep diving into the three years of Jesus' ministry or three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. And we will be looking at that. But we should look at this 91%. So you might be wondering, what did Jesus do in those silent years? What was Jesus doing between the age of 12 and 30 where he steps onto the scene of ministry? Well, the Bible tells us Jesus grew. Jesus grew. Luke 2 again, 39 to 40, and then verse 52. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There, the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all people. It's amazing here. Luke, in just a few short sentences, says twice here, he says and talks about Jesus's pre-ministry years. And he tells us that in that time, he grew in wisdom, stature, in favor with God and with favor with people. These were the silent years of Jesus. And this is what Jesus was doing in these years. He was growing. And so if Jesus was growing during this time, as, a, as he was growing in his, his, his human nature because he was 100% man, 100% God. That is the miracle of our Savior. But if Jesus was growing in all these ways and he took all that time to grow, then how much more should you and I take growth seriously? You know, it's, it's a sobering thought to think that, you know, those 9%, those, that 9% of his life, those three and a half years of ministry wouldn't have happened without the 91%, those silent years of Jesus. And so over the next couple of messages, we're going to dive into how Jesus grew, because I believe it's important for us to know how we can grow as well and how this growth prepared him for his ministry. However, I believe, first of all today, I believe there's an important lesson for you and me about growth. I believe there's a lesson here that we can learn about the silent years of Jesus. And that lesson for you and me today in this first message of this little collection in Luke chapter 2, at the end of Luke 2, I believe the first lesson is don't rush growth. Don't rush growth. You know, we are living in a time, as I've said, where there is so much pressure to grow. Even for us as Christians, there is so much pressure that we should be growing in our faith at a rapid rate. You know, when Christians give their, when people give their lives to Jesus, you know, we often try to rush them through growth and see them growing spiritually. You know, we, they're in through the doors one minute and then the next day they're up on the platform, they're preaching, they lead in worship, they lead in ministries. We want to get people growing as quickly as possible. And you know, even as a pastor, I face this temptation, not only for me to grow in my own ministry, grow my, with my own walk with the Lord, but also for us as a church to grow, there's constant pressure to see growth as a church. And especially when we compare with other local churches, there's that pressure. Oh, you know, we should be growing in that way. We need to see that growth. And when we see God blessing other churches, which I'm so grateful for, there's that temptation that we can feel discouraged when we aren't growing quite as well. You know, we can begin and I often begin questioning them. Why aren't we as a church growing so quickly, you know, and then we begin to do some foolish things. We begin to try to copy other people, copy other Christians. And we try to get instant growth as quickly as we can, but then we end up failing. But you know, one of the most freeing lessons that I've learned, I learned this actually during lockdown. This was something that God really taught me and it, it freed me. It lifted a burden off my shoulders. It's something that I've been reminded of once again as I've been reading 
this passage of scripture, these passages of scripture over these last few weeks as I've been studying for these messages. It's been so freeing to know that God doesn't want us to rush growth. Just look at trees, look at nature, look how slowly a tree will grow. You know, it's it's not just planted in the ground one day and then the next day it's a mighty oak tree. You know, it takes years, hundreds of years for it to grow and to come into full maturity, to bear much fruit. And so should be for you and me. We don't have to rush growth. I believe God wants to encourage you and me today. Don't grow people's way, grow God's way. God wants to encourage us to grow his way. You might feel today that, you know, I'm, I'm slow. It's, it's not happening. I'm just, I feel like I'm at the start and I want to be further ahead. God says this in Zechariah 4 verse 10. He says, don't despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. You know, Jesus could have stepped into this earth fully man and he could have stepped in at the age of 30, gone straight into ministry and did what he needed to do. However, for 30 years, he grew. He spent time growing and he grew in so many ways. He grew and he focused on his private life and this growth until the time was right. And I believe God would say to you and me, so should we. Don't rush growth. We should prioritize growth. We shouldn't neglect growth, but we shouldn't force growth. We don't have to rush growth because I've seen that happen where people begin to rush especially this spiritual growth they often end up stunted and walking away from the Lord you know I've seen this happen and many churches push this they want they think people are talented and so they chuck them straight into into action but God wants to mature us it's about character God wants to form us God wants to do a work in us the Bible says that we are being changed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus and that will take time as the Holy Spirit works in and through our lives as God's word begins to shape us and form us it will take time it doesn't happen overnight uh, overnight so I want to encourage you don't rush growth it leave you stunted but you know when we take time to grow God's way individually and even as a church you watch how God will bless now as we come to an end of this message today you say okay that's great I, I want to grow God's way but but how do we grow how can we grow spiritually well we grow simply by abiding in Jesus we've got to be abiding in Jesus just we've got to be connected to the roots we've got to be connected to the source John chapter 15 verse 5 Jesus says this he says yes I am the vine you are the branches those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing how do we grow by spending time with Jesus by connecting and growing in our personal relationship with him, by drawing close to him. We, we grow by daily spending time with our Savior. I won't apologize for this. I encourage every single one of you today. I encourage our church constantly. We need to read God's word every day, not for the sake of it, not to tick off a box, but I don't know about you, but I need to encounter God every day. I need to hear God's voice. I need to hear God's leading in my life. I need to hear God speaking to me. And that's how we grow in our relationships. And so it is with our God as well. We grow by spending time with him and he speaks to us through his word. So we grow through reading his word. We grow through prayer by being honest and open, pouring out our heart before God and also listening to God. We grow in worship as our hearts are, and our eyes are open. We have a greater revelation of God as he takes the center of our lives. We grow when we come together as a church family and be a part of the family of God. And I want to encourage you, 
come along. I invite you to come along. If you're not part of another church, then please join us at Gateway. Come along in person because we grow when we're part of the family of God. The Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. There's growth there. And we grow by growing in God, by getting close to God, and, and then also living out what God tells us to do. We should be obedient and not just being hearers of his word, but doers of his word. And also telling other people, giving away what God has been teaching us, sharing what God has been teaching us. That's how we grow. As we connect ourselves to Jesus, as the Holy Spirit, as we open up our lives to the Holy Spirit and we're filled and baptized with him and he begins to lead us and we walk in the Spirit, then he'll begin to work in us and he'll begin to bring that growth within our lives. And so I want to encourage you today, take time to grow. Grow God's way. I was so frustrated that I wasn't growing quick enough and I still can be as well. But what I've learned over these last few years is the best thing we can do is grow God's way. And so as we come to a conclusion of this message today, maybe you're watching this today and maybe you were frustrated. Maybe you were discouraged by how little growth and in particular how so, there's so much little spiritual growth in your life at this moment in time. Maybe you, you're listening to this today and because of the lack of growth that you see in your own life, you've, you've given up and you've stopped growing altogether. You've stopped doing those things which bring about growth in your life. Maybe you're watching this and maybe you're a part of our church and you're just frustrated at the lack of growth within our church, even though we are growing and we're seeing people come to know the Lord and God's moving, but maybe you're just frustrated. We, we're not as big as that church, as Bethel Church or Elevation Church. We, you know, we're not growing as quickly as the church up the road or down, down there in that part of Wales. You, know, you might be frustrated with that. However, today, I believe God wants to take that pressure off your shoulders. I believe God wants to lift burdens today that the world would put on us that other Christians and other churches would put on us and that we'd often put on ourselves to do with instant growth. And just like Jesus, as we'll see over the next few weeks, let's not rush growth, but let's take time growing God's way because it really is the best way. Amen.